When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Mind Love, episode 87. Today's episode is all about the entrepreneur mindset and work-life balance. Truth is, there's no such thing as perfect balance. I think we all know that. And, and, and if you strive for perfect balance, you're going to be unhappy uh, all your life because it's, it's not ever possible. Um, if you think of a scale and, and trying to balance that equally with both weight on two sides uh, or, or weight, uh, equal weight on both sides, it's, it's only one frame in that entire spectrum that it's perfectly balanced. And, 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 and the truth is life is, and, and work is never perfectly balanced. The, the, the goal is to just not have it go too far to one side or too far to the other or, or to, to just be so heavily outweighed on one side versus the other that it just remains there. I think trying to center as much as possible is, is the key. Turn up your frequency with Mind Love. Bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's time to give your mind a little love with your host, Melissa Monti. Have you tapped the subscribe button yet? More subscribers means even better guests and even more value. Plus, it helps grow the show so more people can find it. And if you ask me, everyone can use a little more mind love. Hi, friends and fellow wild women. Today, I'm excited to bring on one of my mentors. I'm not sure the Mind Love podcast would exist without him. Well, I discovered Pat Flynn way back in either 2011 or 2012. And his podcast was the first podcast that I ever started listening to religiously. I was in that point in my life where I was flooded with ideas. I was listening to how people were starting Amazon stores and blogs and podcasts. And I was just like, I need to find the one idea and suddenly I'm going to get big. And that's not quite how it happened. Although now it's starting to. The problem was, when I first discovered it, I thought, all I need is the right idea, or the right domain name, or the right website, and then my whole life will be different. What I didn't realize is that I first had to go inward and start with myself, understand what really drove me, what really lit me up, and what value I could really bring. And a value that I would be excited to bring for years to come, not just after that initial wave of excitement. And at the time I needed it most, I ended up reading Pat Flynn's book, Will It Fly?, which was one of the things that helped me to find my purpose. I didn't follow things exact. I did take my own route a little bit, but it was a critical foundation that I used as a springboard to leap off of into my own territory. I've received a lot of questions from you guys asking, how did you get someone like Pat Flynn to be your mentor? And my response to that is similar to what I was telling you last week when I brought on Sarah Wells in response to the question, how do you have these high profile friends or these friends that are doing big things? In both of these cases, the same thing applies. You have to level yourself up first. When you start to level yourself up, whether it's emotionally or spiritually or physically or financially, you realign your energy and that's the energy you start to attract. So the logistics with Pat Flynn is that I 
started to find alignment. I was doing the work. I did every single exercise in his Will It Fly book. I bought this other business course. I was reading a lot of books and I was doing the things. When I decided, you know, a podcast seems right for me. I wasn't really into writing at that time. I I wanted to speak. I didn't want to really get ready every day to make YouTube videos. And a podcast allowed me to have yoga hair all day. And as the universe would have it, Pat Flynn announced his podcasting course just a few days later. It was like divine intervention. Well, Pat wasn't just offering an online course. He was also offering an in-person weekend that he'd walk you through everything for a significantly higher price. But I knew the importance of leveling up my social circle and just getting my foot in the door. At this time, I didn't really have anyone around me that could show me the way or that could inspire me in online business. So I invested more money than I'd ever invested in something before and signed up for his in-person program. At that time, I didn't have much more money in my bank account than the program actually costs. So I put a big part of it on my credit card and I committed. It was an extra layer of commitment for me. I knew I wasn't going to waste this. So when I showed up, I gave that program my all. I brought my own value from my marketing knowledge from the past, and I raised my hand whenever I could. I spoke to Pat whenever I could. I helped everyone around me so that he remembered who I was. Well, that helped. I made sure to launch when I said I was. I think I was the first person in our group to launch the podcast. Again, trying to stand out. I kept him updated on my progress and I gave him credit. I shared with people how I learned how to podcast. And then honestly, I just kind of told him he was going to be my mentor. (laughs) And at that point, he already knew. I've made sure to support him in any ways that I can because when you support others, they support you too. So now I consider Pat not just a mentor, but a friend of mine. He's still been hugely helpful when I need some advice on my next move. So look for your mentors. They're out there. And remember, you have to give value before you can get it back. So today is full of a bunch of golden nuggets because Pat has so much wisdom about around this whole entrepreneur thing. He's going to share with you his story about the time he wanted to quit, about the time a troll almost ruined his passion for his business. And a big part of our conversation has been something that a lot of you have reached out about. It's about work-life balance. And I will say that Pat Flynn is one of those people who seems to handle work-life balance so well. If you are ambitious and driven, whether you're an entrepreneur or not, it can be really difficult to separate work time from family time, from social time, whatever it might be. It can be hard to find time for yourself or other people. You start feeling guilty either way, wherever you're spreading your seed. Okay, back up. Not spreading your seed, that did not sound right. (laughs) Wherever you're directing your energy. But anyone who knows Pat will tell you he's a family man above all while building this huge empire with so many different streams of revenue. He had a hugely successful Kickstarter project. He launched a blog about food trucks just as a challenge to show that he could make money off of it. He has a wildly successful podcast, blog, YouTube channel. He has his hands in everything and he does them all really well. So he's also going to tell us how he manages so many things without letting things slip through the cracks. So let's get into it. 
Three key things we will learn are how to decide your next big move, how to find people who align with your mission, and how work-life balance is less about balance and more about finding your center. Oh, and also, if you are interested in starting a podcast and having similar training as I did, go to mindlove.com slash P-U-P, which stands for Power Up Podcasting, and it'll direct you right there. Before we dive in, I want to make sure you know about the morning mind love. It's the easiest way to start each day with a little reminder about how magical you really are. I get messages from people every single day about how the morning mind love is their favorite way to start the day, or that the message that just came through is exactly what they needed to hear. Just visit mindlove.com and sign up right there on the homepage. You'll get some amazing free gifts when you do. You'll get a free guided affirmation meditation to align your subconscious with your highest self, and you'll get a really cool booklet of Powerless so you can start getting clear on what you want and what really makes you happy. And it's all completely free. Just go to mindlove.com to sign up. Or if you're out and about, just text the word MORNING to 444-999. That's MORNING to 444-999. And now let's welcome Pat Flynn to the show. Thanks for having me. It's exciting to chat with you again. <laughs> so I'm really excited about this because I owe a lot of where I currently am to you. You have been my mentor and one of my biggest inspirations and actually the first person I really got into on online business. I You were the first podcast I started regularly listening to. So now it's like meta, you're on mine. <laughs> That's crazy. And I'm super proud of what you've done. Your show's amazing. I refer people to it all the time. I just love how open you are and how just much you're here to serve people, which is what I'm all about too. So thank you. And it's just, I feel very proud to be here. Well, good. I'm glad I'll keep, I'll keep that pride going. So I'm curious though, you have built a huge platform with your business and I know that it, it kind of took a turn. You weren't expecting to go into that your entire life. So I'm wondering when you first started your online business, what did that goal look like for you? Were you just trying to get by or did you expect that it was going to be as big as it was? I definitely didn't expect it to get to here. And I often have to pinch myself because to how big it's grown and, and the reach and just what people are saying, it's just still un unreal. But I'm going to go back to 2008 and getting laid off. I mean, it was one of the hardest moments of my life. I had spent much of my life learning about architecture and being in that field and wanting to be a world famous architect. It's really all I knew. And I absolutely loved my job. And then in June uh, 2008, I got let go. And it's just I didn't know what to do. And so when I started to noodle on the idea of being an entrepreneur and getting inspired by other podcasters to do that and just starting out, I all I really wanted to do was just survive. I need to survive. I had just proposed to my girlfriend and we were going to start a family and I moved back in with my parents to save money. And I was just like, how long am I going to be here? I need to just survive and make maybe just you know, half as much as I was making with architecture just so I can get an apartment and start my life with with April and and do that. I just felt almost inadequate. I knew that April didn't sign up for me to get laid off. I'd propose when I still had the secure job. So a lot of things were going through my head. It was literally just survival at that point. Well, I know that when you are backed into a corner like that, where, I mean, you just proposed to your girlfriend living with your mom, a lot of times our decisions can feel capped. Like we're making decisions out of fear or panic, which a lot of times inhibits our reasoning completely. How did you manage to make smart decisions that led to this whole new life? Well, it's funny that fear definitely got me to make decisions that I wouldn't normally make. 
which actually I think worked in my favor in this case because it was that survival mechanism, that fear of living at home the whole time and not being able to support my family, all that stuff. That's what got me to take the actions that I wouldn't normally have taken, meaning going out there and actually investing in an online course to help me build my business, going out into a group that was full of successful entrepreneurs as a nobody and just trying to absorb as much information as, as I could, reaching out to businesses in the first business that I was attempting to create, which was related to an architectural exam that I had taken and making a phone call to another business to see if they wanted to advertise on my website. I would have never had the guts to do any of that stuff if I hadn't been laid off. And if I didn't have that fear, that fear actually drove me to do those things because those fears of what would happen if I didn't do it were much bigger than the fears of, well, what would happen if I did do this and it maybe didn't work? Oh, yeah. Well, I know that some of us, when we're going out for something new, especially something in online business, I have been approached by a lot of people who are just like, well, I can't do things like that. I'm not good at things like that. I'm not used to being good at things. Were you always good at things to where you had that trust in yourself to go out and do this? Or was this where you first found your success? This is honestly where I first found my success. And it's where I first started to feel like I actually had control over what was actually happening in my life. Because to go back to architecture, I mean, I went to school and I got 4.2 grade point average A's all my life. I graduated magna cum laude from Berkeley. I was exposed in the architecture world. I was taking all these exams that I didn't have to. I was set to be a principal of a firm at a very young age and I still got kicked out and it didn't feel very good at all. And this was the first time when I was getting even the smallest of wins as I was creating my entrepreneurial journey that I felt like things were actually a little bit under my control, even though I will say, like, I didn't know how to code. I didn't know how to build a website. I didn't know business, but it felt like that I could figure it out if I needed to versus just everything always being so easily handed to me earlier. This is like, wow, I actually can control and I actually can see that there might be even more upside here. Once I started to experience a little uh, a few small wins here and there. And what I mean by that is like, just to kind of go back into a little bit of detail about how I started that business. I had built a website to help people pass this exam. And in addition to pouring 12 hours a day into that website and pumping a lot of content out there, I was very involved in forums. So architectural forums where people were asking questions about this particular exam. And I would show up every day and answer every single question that was there. And what ended up happening was I started to notice that when I would come in, uh, every morning to start answering these questions, I would see questions that were asked and then other people come in to answer them. But their answers were like, oh, Pat will come on later and he'll answer that for you. He's the guy. And I thought that was really interesting because I didn't consider myself an expert in that arena, but I become known for that. And I was like, whoa, I can kind of reshape who I want to be. And that's really amazing. In a relatively short period of time, I've become the lead exam expert guy it took me like eight years to really figure out that I really wanted to, to be an, an architect and, and all the schooling and, and being in the workforce and understanding my path there. Wow. And so, no, I never really knew this wasn't something I ever had experience with, but I was very conscious of everything that was happening as it was happening. And I think it was because part of it, I just really wanted to make sure it was working and I wanted to pay attention, but also just the quick results I was getting in the wins, but even my first comments on my blog and even my first customers were so important in this journey. And yes, one customer wasn't gonna change anything, but it changed everything for who I thought I could be and how I thought I could help people. 
we're all here just trying to live our best lives, right? And while you're here listening to a podcast, you might feel like you're on the right track, but then you visit family or you have a work deadline or something unexpected comes up and you're all stressed out and it feels like all the work is out the window. That's why it's so important to consciously curate what you can control, like who you surround yourself with, what you watch, what you listen to. So I'm going to add another podcast to your toolbox, The Dr. John Deloney Show. He has a PhD in counseling and has been sitting with hurting people for 20 years. He shares practical advice for everything from how to connect with people, how to face depression, overcome anxiety, and learn just what it means to be well. But what's really cool about his show is you can even leave a voicemail or send an email and he'll address your topic or question about mental or emotional help on the show. So no matter what you're going through, the Dr. John Deloney show is here for you. Listen to the Dr. John Deloney show wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link on the website. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I really need to get something off my chest. Being a mom of a three-year-old boy is really freaking hard and sometimes it has me questioning my sanity. But then he'll grab my face and call me his sweet little mama. Yes, that's a real thing he says. (laughs) And it will all melt away until I break his banana. I thought I was done with emotionally abusive relationships, but nope. We all carry around stressors, big and small. And when we keep them all bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. For me, just talking things through is hugely helpful, but it's so hard finding friends and family that are unbiased or non-judgmental. And therapy isn't just about dealing with major trauma, you know? It's about learning healthy coping mechanisms, setting boundaries, becoming the best version of yourself. And BetterHelp makes it super convenient, too. Everything's done online so you can fit therapy sessions around your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash MindLove today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash MindLove. interesting how much our self-image comes from the reflections back to us. I remember when I was trying to figure out what to do, what led me to your podcasting course was I went back and did Will It Fly? And one of the exercises was asking the people around me what they saw in me. And Mm. I heard things that I didn't think about myself before, like something about organizing information and, and how I'm able to translate things that other people don't understand in ways that make it really feasible and real for them. And that led me to then the podcasting course. And then you sent an email the next day about starting a podcasting course. And so I was like, oh, wow, I guess this is what I'm supposed to do. But so much of it was learned by people's reactions to me or what other people saw in me that I didn't see in myself. So that's really cool how that seemed to work for you too, without you going out and asking for it. Yeah, it was in these forums, but the truth is I showed up, right? And I think that's a big part of it. But what I didn't get was support from those people who were immediately around me. I mean, April, my wife, then fiance was very supportive and she was going to be there no matter what, which was huge to know that no matter what I chose to do, I wasn't forced to do something I didn't want to. I could figure it out. And that was key, absolutely key. But my dad, for example, he was like, hey, you know, you should probably think about going back to school now. A master's degree might be perfect for you now because we're in the recession and, and you can go back to school and you can come out be done by the recession by then, hopefully, and, and you'll be that much better off. You'll have much more to put on your resume and you can continue your life as an architect. And I, you know, it was hard because my dad was always right. 
and I love my dad and he's helped me a lot, but it just didn't feel right. That's what I was, was going to do. And, and again, I wanted to, to do something where if I were to fail or things not work, I wanted it to be because it was my own fault, not, hey, I did everything right yet. The economy still kicked me out. And so that that's really what drove me to entrepreneurship. But I'll tell you what, Melissa, like even even with like six successful months of business and even up to five figures in earnings a month with that architectural exam site, it was taken off. But I was still in the back of my mind, like, I think I should probably go to see if I could find another architecture job. And I actually did go to job interviews for architecture, even though I was making like $25,000 a month and way more than I was in, as an architect because I wasn't sure if that's who I was destined to be. And it wasn't until about April or May of 2009 when I got a phone call. I got a phone call from my boss, the one who laid me off. His name was Imad and he called me and he was like, hey, how are things? I hope everything's okay. And I was like, wow, actually things are, things are not bad right now. I, I'm surviving very well. And he's like, well, let me tell you what, I, I broke off from the firm that we were at. I started my own firm and I would love for you to come and work for me. I brought some of your old friends with me, your other, your other coworkers. We have the same exact clients. So you can pick up right where you left off and I'm going to give you a raise and I'm going to give you your own office and I'm going to pay for a year's rent for you to come and work for me. Oh, wow. And it was really weird because in my mind, I was like, holy crap, that's an amazing offer. But I knew that the right answer was thanks, but no thanks. I hung up the phone. I didn't just hang up and not, I was polite. I politely declined. And I reflected on that and I said, holy crap, I think I'm meant to be an entrepreneur because that was the golden moment for me to make that decision. And I had just kind of let myself sort of decide one way or another. And, and I decided to become an entrepreneur at that point. And that's actually when I started to see more massive growth with a lot of the other businesses that I had where I poured my heart and soul into because I think I finally committed to it. It was only after that commitment that I started to see some tremendous growth, not just in terms of income, but in where I thought I could go in the future. I hear from a lot of people that, you know, making that decision, how did you come to that point where you were able to trust yourself enough to make this decision? Like, why was that moment such a catalyst for you committing and going all in when you did kind of have one foot out the door looking for interviews? Was there something in your body telling you and how did you know how to listen to it? Yeah, I think, it, I mean, you hear about gut feeling, right? And I know you talk about that quite a bit, but I felt that that, like my gut told me that that's the way to go. It partly, it was because it was almost as if this call was almost like a distraction, right? It's somebody else with their business who wanted me to come in and help support them versus me making a decision to do something for myself. And so it was, to me, I think that, that very clear moment of, hey, do you want to go and work for somebody else now, even though these opportunities are good and you're going to get paid and all that stuff? Or would you rather have more ultimate control, but not really know if it's going to work out or not? And I said, you know what? I want to go and have control. I want to own it. I want to be my own boss and I'll do what I can to make it work. And that's what I did. So in the beginning, I'm sure there was a lot of sacrifice when you were first trying to get things off the ground and especially having a fiance. Then I look back to when I first got with my husband, he had his own business and it wasn't making as much money as I hoped. And before I was in that entrepreneurial state, it was really difficult 
I would act like I was on board, but in the back of my head, I was always thinking, just go get a real job and make more money, <laughs> more than I will admit, because <laughs> I didn't <laughs> say it out loud. And so what was that like having to sacrifice at the beginning of starting a life with somebody else? Was there moments of tension with that? And how did you deal with it? Yeah, I mean, there were definitely moments of tension. I think there is always tension when you are going into new territory, of course, especially if you're bringing other people along with you. And even on a micro level, I remember my wife, April, and I, after we were married and the business was was going, we'd sit down and have conversations. And I remember one specific moment, and actually it happened quite a bit where, uh, and this is part of the struggle as an entrepreneur, that you can't turn it off. And so we would be having conversations, but I wouldn't really be listening to her. I would be thinking about that next email I had to write or that product or that sale or that opportunity. And actually she called me out on it one time. She uh, had seen that I wasn't actually paying full attention to her when we were talking about something probably really important, but I wouldn't know because I wasn't paying attention. And she caught me. She's like, you're thinking about your business right now, aren't you? And I said, no, of course I lied. And she goes, well, what was the last thing I said? And I was like, you're not, you're, you're thinking about your business, aren't you? Which is not what she wanted to hear. We actually had a very uh, heated discussion <laughs> after that, but it was very important to have that. And I'm so thankful that she called me out on that because we didn't have kids at this point. We have two kids now. And I imagine that if I were to get into that major habit of just continually thinking about my business when I was supposed to be with and present with my family, that I might not be the father I am today and, and not give them the attention that they need or, or give them the care and the love that they want. And I'm very, very thankful that I have April there in my corner to help keep me grounded because entrepreneurship is a weird thing and, and going off on your own, especially when you haven't done it before. I mean, you're going to get lost. You're going to have lost your way. You lose your way. You're going to go down territory maybe that you didn't expect to go down. And my wife there to support me and also other people in a mastermind group who are experienced in business as well, help share feedback and help be brutally honest with me along the way too and me being brutally honest with them in exchange has been key in all of this but there was definitely tension but I'm thankful that it, it was never to the point of like hey you only have this much time to try this and then if it doesn't work sorry I think she always just believed in me and I think that that that's what was key um and you know I, I can't offer enough praise for April and how she's been handling just all that transition. But, you know, as a stay-at-home mom and here with two crazy kids and, and devoting all of her time, sacrificing a lot of other things that she wants to do just for the beginning and early part of their life so that they'll have a great relationship with us and, and be great humans. Just she's amazing. I'm very lucky to have her. I think whether it's a spouse or a partner or a friend to lean on in troubled times is absolutely massively key. So how do you balance your family and your business? Because I know that family is such a big part of your life. Do you have a clear cutoff time at the end of the day? That's hard as an entrepreneur. It is hard, but it's necessary. That was one of the things that had to come out of that conversation was I needed to have clear boundaries. There has to be boundaries. And time boundaries are the easiest things. But even then, especially with a smartphone in your hands, it can be difficult. You really have to honor what you say is going to happen in your calendar and to your spouse especially. But in addition to that, there are physical boundaries, which are also helpful. So in my office at home, if I'm inside, that's where work happens. If I'm outside of the office, work does not happen and that helps as well. So that combined with the time boundaries, is really helpful too. And then now I also have an office outside in a WeWork in San Diego, California, which has been really nice for videos and things like that too. And, and so that's one way that I've been able to help balance that out. But 
truth is there's no such thing as perfect balance. I think we all know that. And if you strive for perfect balance, you're going to be unhappy all your life because it's it's not ever possible. Um, if you think of a scale and trying to balance that equally with both weight on two sides or weight uh, equal weight on both sides, it's only one frame in that entire spectrum that it's perfectly balanced. And the truth is life is and work is never perfectly balanced. The goal is to just not have it go too far to one side or too far to the other or to, to just be so heavily outweighed on one side versus the other that it just remains there. I think trying to center as much as possible is the key. And so there are seasons of life and, and during the year where it's going to be very business heavy. And I am open and communicative with my wife about that. Hey, we're doing a book launch in early August, so I'm probably going to be very busy. This is the truth. For this year, I do have a book coming out in August. And of course, so she knows that ahead of time, which is key. But also that's going to take me away from the kids a little bit more. And so she's going to have to step up in her role uh, as a parent more. But then we also know that on the opposite end of that, we're going to go on a little vacation together where you know, that kind of evens it out or she will have her own time to go and do her thing where I can watch the kids a little bit more. So it's just planning ahead and, and keeping that balance as balanced as possible, but never expecting to be perfectly balanced. I think it's just a matter of give and taking and back and forth, yin and yang, one side, the other side, and making sure all parties are in the know is, is the other part of it too. And now for another episode of Lies We've Been Told About Our Health. We've all heard we need eight glasses of water a day, right? Well, hydration isn't actually about water intake. It's about the balance of water and electrolytes so that our bodies are actually absorbing the water instead of just passing it through. A lot of people go for those sugary sports drinks, but let's be real, those do more harm than good. I've found a better solution. Element. It's a zero-sugar electrolyte drink that's all about effective hydration. Each pack gives you essential electrolytes like sodium and potassium without the unnecessary additives found in other drinks. The team behind Element includes experts in biochemistry and nutrition, so they really know what they're doing. And it's not just for everyday use either. Elite athletes and teams, Olympic weightlifters, CrossFit champions, Navy SEALs, all rely on it too, which to me says a lot about its effectiveness. Here's what makes them really unique. They recently launched a hot chocolate line with flavors like chocolate mint, chocolate chai, and chocolate raspberry. Ever since I went alcohol-free, I've been really intentional about luxurious, health-focused drinks so I can sit back and unwind while actually doing good for my body. And the Element Chocolate Chai is great for relaxing in the evening or warming up after winter sports. And you can try Element totally risk-free. If you don't like it, you'll get your money back, no questions asked. Receive a free Element sample pack with any order when you purchase through drinkelement.com slash mindlove. That's drinklmnt.com slash mindlove to get a free starter pack with any order. I'm constantly sharing with my clients to stop searching in life and instead start aligning. It's true with purpose, with relationships, with higher versions of yourself, and it's also true for hiring. The best way to search is actually just to match with Indeed. Indeed is your one-stop hiring platform with millions of job seekers visiting every month, and their powerful matching engine helps you find quality candidates fast. Plus, Indeed lets you schedule interviews, screen applicants, and message candidates all in one place. But Indeed isn't just about speed. They also deliver quality. According to a recent Indeed survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. 
I love Indeed because it makes hiring so much easier. I'm all about alignment in all areas of my life, and that includes people I hire to work in my business. So I need a hiring partner that makes it simple to find candidates with the right skills. And that's Indeed. And what's really cool is Indeed's matching engine gets smarter the more you use it, learning from your preferences and over 140 million qualifications. Plus, I love that I can do all my hiring in one place. It's just one less thing to keep track of between all of the other things. So join over 3.5 million businesses worldwide who rely on Indeed to find great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash MindLove. Just go to Indeed.com slash MindLove right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash MindLove. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm curious about when you're setting your goals. You talk a lot on your podcast about, you know, creating these goals that almost seem impossible, that seem almost a little bit further out of reach than you think you can actually handle. When you are doing that, how do you keep your motivation if there's a seed of self-doubt that this goal might be too big? You're right. I do say that. And the reason I say that is because even if you miss those goals, you still are able to go higher than you would have if, if you've just set goals that, and this is where most people set goals, is like you're setting goals for things that you already know that you can achieve. And thus you are limiting where you could potentially go. And when it comes to the goals that I create for myself and, and understanding whether or not they're, they're too big or not, that's a sense of if things are getting out of control, meaning I'm spending more time on those things versus spending time with my family. I'm not honoring my calendar. I'm getting very truthful comments from others about the way that I'm doing what I'm doing. And and I just start to get off course a little bit. I do rely a lot on other people to help keep me grounded. And I think a lot of us can benefit from having these structures in place, whether it's people that are close to us or colleagues or network that can help us realize what we're doing sometimes, because sometimes when we are in it, we don't see it which is really interesting. We have to kind of get perspective from the outside. So for me, it's sort of a general sense of, am I still able to meet my responsibilities and achieve my other goals or finish these other tasks that I'm actually responsible for, both with family and work, but also getting perspective from the outside from people and checking in more regularly, which is why these mastermind groups that I've been involved in, one for seven years, one for eight years, one that meets Monday, every Monday, one that meets every Wednesday, and just allowing each other to be brutally honest with each other is key. And that's been very, very vital to my success moving forward. So again, there's no like specific number. There's no specific, you know, hey, if, if I haven't reached my goals in six months, that means it's a failure, start over. It's always going to be a self-reflection and giving yourself time to do that. I think that's one of the things that I think I'm very grateful for is uh, since having meditation in my life, I use a lot of that time to reflect on, well, what have I achieved? Am I present? Am I actually doing what I should be doing or am I getting distracted? And that meditation has been really key to helping me stay grounded and understand sort of what's going on as I'm in it. So Pat Flynn meditates. What are some of the other things that are on your daily rituals that you think are really add to keeping up your energy and your motivation and the structure that you need so you can have the freedom elsewhere? So two things. Number one, journaling. And I use a journal called the five minute journal to help prompt me every day with the same prompts. It's very simple, but I love the five minute journal. So I wake up in the morning and I write three things that I'm grateful for. And starting the day with gratefulness is 
been a major game changer just to know that, hey, no matter what happens today, there are things in life that we could be thankful for. And I think that's huge because it sets us up for success. It then prompts you for three things that you hope to accomplish or wish to do in the day. And then you check in at the end of the night and go, what are three awesome things that have happened and what's one thing that you can improve on? And just that daily practice of a little bit of self-reflection, that in addition to the meditation has been huge. I very much want to thank Hal Elrod from The Miracle Morning for giving me structure on how to do that through his book, The Miracle Morning. And he's been a good friend of mine and, and huge inspiration to me. And then the other thing that I was going to mention is diet. Like I can't tell you enough how much the food that I put in my body affects my creativity, my energy, my love, my mood, just everything. It all comes down to the fuel that you put in your body. I didn't realize that that was the case until I started the keto diet recently. Just again, experimenting to see what works for me because different things work for different people I've heard and I've understood that. But the keto diet and the high fat, low carb diet has just, I just feel so much more energetic I just feel like the wires in my brains are fine-tuned and moving faster, and I have much more energy to play with my kids. I have much more energy to do these interviews. I have much more energy for everything now as a result of just paying attention to what my body responds to, and I can't talk about that enough. I feel the same. When I went vegan, it was like suddenly everything opened up where I was like, oh, mm. this is what my body could feel like. These pains that I'm having or even some of my cravings just completely dissipated. And it was because I had a different relationship with what I was putting into my body, which meant, meant that I also had a different relationship with my body, which was a really cool feeling. It's just like an extra level of not control, but more like working in a symbiotic relationship in a way where you don't feel like your body's working against you or dragging you down. So that's awesome. Going with the keto diet, you talked about where you're always just trying new things. So do you do that in every area of your life where you're you're thinking, okay, well, now I've mastered the keto diet. Now I'm going to move on to a mindset thing. Or How do you choose where to level up next? You seem like a lifelong learner. How is that process for you? Yeah. I mean, what I allow myself to learn next is always related to what I'm doing next. I'm a just-in-time learner, meaning if I have a very specific task or goal, I want to learn everything I can about that now, and I save the learning for other things for when those things are relevant. I'm able to filter out all the amazing content and podcasts and all those other things out there that are great, but just they're not relevant for what I'm doing right now. So related to the keto diet, here's the real reason why I'm starting it, because I have my first live event coming up, and I need to be in the best shape of my life to handle a two-and-a-half-day conference where I can be fully present fully energized and have the endurance to go through that. And it was testing a bunch of different diets at the early half of this year to understand, well, what best does my body respond to? And it's been the keto diet. So I've just been sticking with that since then. And previous to that, I had given myself time to experiment with a new business idea. And so something I do, uh, especially my businesses, is, is I have 90% of my time used for things that my responsibilities, things that I know I'm supposed to do that are related to things that are already there. I allow 10% of, of time to be for just new, fun, exciting, random stuff. What that does is it allows me to scratch that creative itch that I always have to just try something new and see what happens. And the most recent example of that was this invention called the SwitchPod, which is a tripod for vloggers that me and my videographer created that did take up that 10% of the time, but it's become a massive success lately, and that's pretty cool. So this is my first time trying a new physical product, and everything that I was learning over the last six months related to this product was related to 
physical products and manufacturing and stuff that I didn't know about. That's wh- that's how I chose to learn about those things because that was the next big project that I was working on where I didn't know something. Whenever I don't know something, I want to go and find out how to do it. And I do that through finding the top resources and or people who have had experience doing those things. And so with keto, for example, I was just like, wow, there's a lot of content out there about keto. Where do I start? I went and reached out to my good friend, Shalene Johnson. I said, hey, how do I do this? And she said, hey, I actually have this book coming out. And so follow this program. I'll help you along the way. And so I was able to get guidance from somebody who could help me understand how it would work in my life. And I just went right to the source. And that's really interesting. Just similar to how, like, for example, you, when you wanted to start your podcast, you were just like, hey, I'm going to get this workshop and learn right from the source. And you did. And here you are crushing it. So it's it's very much the same thing. I know a lot of us entrepreneurs are like, well, we've got to specialize in one thing. And so you hear, I mean, there's the book, The One Thing. There's everything about niching down. But as an entrepreneur, you also have to learn a lot of different skills that round you out in order to actually handle a business. So I'm wondering, what is your viewpoint on specialization versus learning everything yourself versus when to outsource? Because there's so many conflicting ideas around all of it. I think when you're just starting out, it's important to understand all the aspects of business because it's important to know kind of like just all the things and plus it's likely a bootstrapping uh, time where you have to kind of figure things out on your own. And I think that's totally cool. Unfortunately, I did that for seven years. I did everything on my own, including graphics, images, website related things on my own for seven years. And the terrible thing about that was as soon as I learned that there were other people in this world who could do things better and faster and that combined with understanding how much I felt my time was worth really made me wish that I had done it sooner. I think it's important to start out things on your own, but you also get a deeper appreciation for when you find somebody who could do it uh, faster and better. And I think, you know, in terms of when to start outsourcing, I think it, it comes down to, well, what is not outsourcing, not letting you do that you know you need to do? And it's at that point where you see, wow, okay, I have all these things that I want to do or these other phases in my business or life. And I don't have the time to do that. Well, I guess it must be time because this other thing is holding you back. And so when it comes to developing skills, I think the big lesson I've learned is that, you know, you can't be great at everything. And what you are great at, that's what you need to do most of. So that's why in my business over time, I've formed a team, a team who can help me do those other things that, yes, I can do, like edit a podcast and publish a blog post or all those kinds of things. But what I know I'm, I'm great at or I want to thrive is, is related to the stories that I tell in both the content that I create in books and also podcasting and the interviews that I'm able to do. So connecting with people, there's a relationship building. And that's something that I feel I'm very good at and that I want to focus on. And so I've sort of outsourced in my work, at least all those other areas of my business so that I can just focus primarily on that. And it's just some, one of those things that comes over time. And I would definitely recommend exploring outsourcing sooner and finding those little tasks in your work and your business that you just don't want to do anymore that you know you shouldn't do anymore and then hire for that task. You can't expect to hire somebody and they're going to solve all your problems. You need to train them, but you can start small and get a sense for it. And the last thing about that is you, you also don't want to micromanage. You have to trust the people that you hire too yeah, after training them because if you just micromanage, you're, you're going to be putting more work into micromanaging those people versus, you know, what you were doing before on your own. But yeah, when it comes to like the one thing and focusing on your skill, I know maybe a little bit anomaly in that because people see all the things that I have and all the things I have going on and they're like, ooh, I guess I could do all that too. And that's, that's no. The thing is, if you go back into my past, everything was done one at a time and I've sort of focused in on that 
tried to master it, then automated it or outsourced it and then moved on to something else. So my blog started in 2008. My YouTube channel started in 2009. My podcast started in 2010. I started speaking on stage in 2011. My first book was written in 2012. I started and on and on and on and on one at a time. And it was only when I felt comfortable or optimized in one that I allowed myself to then move into the next. So when you build a business like yours, where so much of it is based on you and your personal authenticity, which is what really drew me to you in the first place. I mean, you were one of the first to even post your income reports on exactly how much you were making online. If not, maybe the first. Were you the first? No, I wasn't the first, but I was the first to sort of remain consistent with it for so many years. But I definitely wasn't the first to do that. Well, so it was still so much built around being authentically Pat Flynn. What was it like to relinquish control over those things that you had been doing for seven years? And how did you get around that mindset block? Oh, gosh, it was hard. And that's why it took seven years, because I always felt like I had to do it on my own. I always felt like nobody could do it better than me. And I always felt a sense of pride when it was done on my own. I felt I almost felt like if I handed it off to somebody else, it'd almost be like cheating, right? And that was a hard thing for me to get over. But I soon started to realize just how much more I could offer and better I could help people if I were to remove some of these things and give them to others and just focus in on those other things that, that I mentioned earlier that I do want to focus on that I, that I feel are my major superpowers. That and just understanding that there are people out there who can do those things better and faster. It, it's pretty incredible when you start to s- sort of weigh those things against each other. So it took letting go. It, it definitely took like a leap of faith. And like I said, you can start small. So it doesn't have to be a giant leap of faith. It could be just sort of a, a hop or a skip. But it definitely took some time. And it took a little bit of experience to go, wow, okay, now I'm going to go full in with this and hire a whole team because this is just incredible. The moment I hired like, like help for a podcast, right, I was able to get five hours a week back. And I was like, whoa, this is amazing. And it's better. So I'm going to go and find somebody else to do this other thing that I do every week and see if they can do it faster and better too. I think when you find and hire the right people who are in it for the same reasons as you, then it becomes a lot easier because my worry was that I wasn't able to serve my audiences as best as I could. And what I found is that there are other people in this world who could care for your audience just as much, if not more than you. Therefore, they can also be a part of your brand and and just help kind of expand what you do, not replace it. Yeah, so much of it is just collecting the evidence that you can or that other people can help and starting small, seeing the rewards and moving on from there. I'm wondering when through this process, have you ever thought about giving up and what kept you going? I mean, there were a lot of moments where I wanted to give up early on. I remember one time I got a cease and desist letter from the United States Green Building Council that basically said, hey, stop what you're doing with your exam site or else we're going to take further legal action. And I just freaked out. I was like, I'm done. Like I was literally looking at architecture jobs that day. This was in mid 2009 and found a lawyer and they, they helped me through the process. What I eventually realized was that I just was using the trademark lead, L-E-E-D, in my domain name because the website was initially called in the lead.com. I thought it was a cool play on the, on the word, but uh, can't use trademarks in domain names. And I had done that. And so I learned my lesson. And after I got over the sort of initial wave of anxiety, I was able to calm down and do what's called a 301 permanent redirect and redirect all that traffic and all that Google sort of uh, authority to my new site at greenexamacademy.com. That was one example. 
There was another time which was more dramatic where this was for Smart Passive Income. I had built uh, this business there. I had uh, done my income reports. I was getting well known for doing those things and helping people in the online business space. I had gotten this comment that was about a thousand words long on my blog that was just such hate. It was so hateful. It was very disrespectful. I don't want to get into it too much, but uh, I deleted it because that's what you're supposed to do. Like, hey, that's this is my house. Get out. But then the next morning I woke up and there were 20 messages in my inbox from 20 different friends of mine who were saying, hey, who's this guy who posted this like nasty stuff about you on, on my website where on the article that you were featured on or on the podcast that you were featured on? He had gone over and found all the places I was on the internet and started posting the exact same message. And it was so hurtful that I actually quit for a month. I didn't write any content. I didn't create any podcast episodes. I was done. And eventually a friend told me, Pat, dude, like, Every second you're wasting thinking about this hater, thinking about this troll is the second you're taking away from the thousands of people who need you. And even if it was just one person, you're gonna let this person take away your knowledge, your expertise to potentially help somebody to potentially change their lives. Like you're letting them win. And big shout out to Derek Halpern for, for telling me that. And that's when I finally mustered up the courage to start writing again. And eventually I got in a conversation with this person. He sent me an email after I sent him an email just asking, can you please tell me why you did this? He apologized, but he said, well, the main reason was because you were very open, you're very popular, and I just thought it'd be a great way for me to get traffic to my website. And I was like, are you kidding me? I almost quit because of this freak. This is ridiculous. Like I have to keep going because there's way more people out there. And I eventually learned that hurt people hurt people. He was hurt because he had lost all his traffic and so he wanted to hurt me and all this stuff. I wanted to help him, but I knew that I didn't want to give him any more attention or, or be involved with him in any sort of way. So I never spoke to him again, but that, that's one of the big lessons I learned is that hurt people hurt people. So when it comes to the hurt and the hate that you receive online, it's not because of you, it's because of something else that happened in their lives from somebody else. And that's been key for me to keep going because you know those trolls, they exist out there. Oh, it's so crazy how people can bring you down. I've only ever gotten like two negative comments before. And I swear I feel debilitated for like a week. It's really hard for me to deal yeah, with. We have a weird math where like one negative comment outweighs 100 positive comments, don't we? <laughs> yes, it's not fair. Well, when you are building this business along with people that are aligned with your mission, before we wrap up, I want to know... How do you make sure that you are finding people aligned with your mission and in the right reasons or doing it for the right reasons that you are so that you know that it's a relationship that's going to be long lasting, that's going to be successful in whatever venture that is? Because you've had partners in your online businesses, you've mm -hmm. had partners with SwitchPod, some of them work together. How do you do that? You date, you know what I mean? You can't go into a partnership or hire somebody first it's just like you, you don't go on a first date and then ask for somebody's hand in marriage. You, you date, you, you learn about each other first. You work together for a while. You have conversations. So when it comes to hiring people, I mean, all the people that I've hired in my business are people that I've become friends with first and who have gotten to know me, who I've gotten to know, who I understand have and share the same values and core values that I do and same mission to help people. But that's not always easy to do. But that's why I highly recommend, you know, if you're going to try and find people to kind of work with, like, Go to where those people exist and meet them. Go to conferences, chat in person, hang out, date, you know? And, and like if you're hiring for a task, like on a website like or something like that, you don't necessarily have the time to do that, but you do have time to communicate and to even experiment with a small project on, on the side first so that you can understand, okay, is this gonna work out? Do I like the way this person communicates? Are we a good fit? 
And then you can kind of move forward from there if needed or, you know, go, hey, you know, I'm sorry, this isn't going to work out and then go and learn from that, you know, obviously because it shows you what you like and don't like about people. And then you can go and continue to hone in on on that that person who's going to be good for you. So you haven't found any problems working with friends then. Some people are like, well, I only hire strangers because (laughs) then there's not a sense of authority or any pushback. That hasn't been a problem. No, it hasn't been a problem. And I think that's because there's always open and honest conversation right from the beginning and very clear understanding that this is something that when we sign something together, we have to put stipulations in so that if things weren't able to work out, we could still be friends. So we don't need to get into details of contracts and stuff. That's boring. But, you know, just having an understanding and not jumping into anything so quickly. And I think that's the biggest thing in having having open and honest conversations. But I truly understand that belief and I think that's totally okay. And if that's a rule that you want to set for yourself, that's totally fine. There's a lot of great strangers out there who are also just as amazing as your existing friends. But what I think is is maybe where that comes from is like your friends in your neighborhood or or high school friends or, or friends from college and starting something because they're your friend versus becoming friends with somebody who could potentially become a partner of yours. Well, thank you so much for taking the time with us today and sharing so many of your wisdom pieces of wisdom and secrets. And you have a book coming out called Superfans. And I have read every single one of your books and they've all helped me in such huge ways at different parts of my journey. So I'm really excited to read this one. And one thing we talk a lot about on Mind Love is finding your tribe. So tell us all about your upcoming book. Yeah, so Superfans is about building a tribe, but not just building a tribe of followers, but building a tribe of superfans, those people who are going to, for example, if you're you know, an Instagram, they're, gonna, they're not only going to comment on every image, they're not only going to like everyone, but they're going to send you a direct message and even a video just to thank you because you're awesome. These are the people who, if you're a musician, they're going to drive 10 hours to go and, and listen to your gig and then stay afterwards so they can get a selfie with you after. These are the people who are going to market for you like their life depends on it. They're going to wave your flag high. They're going to wear your swag every day. They're going to talk about you and it's going to bug other people how much you're, you're talked about. These are your super fans and anybody trying to build a following of any kind should be focusing on creating super fan experiences, those experiences, those special magical moments in your brand that will then grow your brand for you. you it'll grow your tribe from within in a much better way than where most businesses and people who are building a following are, are focused on, which is search engine optimization, tagging on Instagram strategies, paying for Facebook ads, those kinds of methods to bring new people in. I think it's important to create mechanisms to bring new people into your brand from the outside. But what happens when you bring all those people in? Like they're going to get the same experience that everybody else is going to get anywhere else. That's why I think shifting that mindset to focusing on the people who are in your brand, even if you're just starting out and you only have two people in your audience, like how can you make them feel like they found the person that they've been looking for? How can you make them feel special? How can you bring them into a community? How can you make them feel like a super fan and want to bring new people in just like them? And when you think about in brands and companies where most of the customers come from, where most of the engagement comes from, where most of the activity happens. It doesn't happen with the brand new people who just discover you. It happens with the people who've been in your brand for a while, who have who've really felt like a home, like they have a home and a place where they can find other people just like them. And this book is the how-to to building super fans. And the cool thing is you don't need a ton of them to do some amazing things to grow your brand and create a successful business in life. You just need a few amount. But there is strategies in this book that will show you how to do that because that's where businesses need to go. There's a lot of things getting in the way of of us connecting with our audiences, algorithms, 
search engines, all this stuff. If you have super fans, they're going to follow you no matter what. They'll find you even if your business were to go down. They're going to build one back up for you. This is almost like an insurance policy for the tribe that you're building. So that's what this book is about. And I'm really excited to get it out there. All the links in this episode will be at mindlove.com slash 087. And I'll also include all of my favorite books of Pat's and a link to his podcast as well. His podcast is awesome. The reason that I was so drawn to him is that he's just so authentic. When I found him, so many people were sharing these get rich quick schemes, which obviously never work. And he came at things with realism, something that I could trust. And he would share his struggles along the way. And sometimes those struggles weren't just business, it was personal as well. So I have to say, probably part of the way I show up for mind love is influenced by the vulnerability and authenticity that Pat Flynn first showed me. So check out his podcast and his YouTube channel. He's pretty easy to love, so I think you guys will love it. I do want to add that all this business stuff starts to work after you do your inner work. You have to go inward first, just like with anything else. So much of success relies on first getting to know yourself because you need to know what you're really going to stay passionate about. You need to get to know how you best work, the cycles in which you work, the time of day that you prefer working. There's a lot that you get to know about yourself when you're pushing yourself on a day-to-day basis. And so you can start this before you have some big idea or before you take that leap. The more you're willing to really dive into self-discovery, the easier the process is going to be because you're going to know what you need when inevitable hiccups happen or when you lose your motivation or when you're feeling exhausted because then you'll know if you're pushing yourself too hard or if you just need some extra sleep. It all comes back to that relationship you have with you. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends. Take a screenshot of you listening to it, share it on Instagram, and tag Mind Love Melissa and Mind Love Podcast. Reach out to me if you need anything. I love hearing from you guys. It really does light up my day and sometimes my whole week. So thank you for supporting me and being along for this journey. As always, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And just have a great summer. Thanks for giving your mind a little love today, and I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning into your higher frequency with Mind Love. Head to mindlove.com for a free gift to keep your vibes up until next week.